Hello, Hillel. I'm Gabby Ostroff. And I'm Rudy Brandt. And you're listening to the Berkeley Hillel Podcast. Hi, Rudy. Hi, Gabby. Rudy, guess what? Tell me. This week is Purim. I love Purim. Purim's the best. Rudy, what's Purim? Oh, gosh. What isn't Purim, Gabby? <laughs> You're right. Purim is a Jewish holiday that we celebrate every year. It commemorates the story of the Book of Esther or the Megillah. Lots of interesting themes about hiding and revealing things about oneself, about uh, anti-Semitism, feminism. about feminism, and about the responsibility that we have to our, the people in our community. I love the people in my community. Me too. If you could talk to a couple people at Hillel about the topics of Purim, who would those people be? Sure, Gabby. Um, hmm. Well, Lauren. I would talk to Lauren about Purim yeah. for sure. Um, and Leia. Probably Lauren and Leia, I'd have to say. Well, Rudy, I have some great news. Those are the exact people I talk to about Purim. What a coincidence. We had a really great conversation. We got deep into the themes of Purim and the ways that Lauren and Leia like to celebrate and the ways that Hillel is celebrating this year. Wow. I cannot wait to hear all about this. Let's get into it. So please enjoy episode three, Purim. Purim! With Leia and Lauren. Hi, Lauren and Leia. Hey, Gabby. How are you? Doing well. Great. Good. Thank you for making time for me today. This week is Purim. It's coming up. It's very exciting. And there are two really cool, passionate women in the Purim story. So I thought I'd talk to two cool, passionate women um, here at Hillel to to give us the the inside scoop on Purim. Um, So first, who are you? I obviously work at Hillel, but what do you do here at Hillel? My name is Lauren. I'm the associate director here. I'm in my fourth year. Um, and I oversee student programming. Um, so that involves working with the staff. It involves working with our student leadership board um, and, and various other projects um, where I get to work with both students and staff. And you had asked, what are some things that I'm excited to talk to students about? Yeah. Um, which is, I'm really excited about um, big questions that students are a- asking right now for themselves. I think journeys are really interesting in hearing people's stories and, and what they are thinking about for their next steps and what they're angsting about um, and nervous about or excited about. Um, and then I'm also into more m- mundane things like talking about uh, cooking or Broad City um, or various other Netflix shows that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Always down for a coffee <laughs> conversation. Awesome. I'm Leia. I'm the senior Jewish educator. I've been here for five years and I teach a lot. I teach the Jewish Learning Fellowship. I teach Jewish Learning Fellowship 2.0, guest teaching, crafting consent, um, yoga, and then I uh, have lots of coffees with students and um, also help the staff develop their educational voice when they're doing various educational initiatives. Um, I teach staff learning. Um, So a lot of different things among other projects. Um, And I love talking to students about how to activate their Jewish life as emerging adults. That's one thing I really love talking about. I feel like college students are in this amazing stage where you can be like, what kind of Jewish person do I want to be in the world? And how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And 
Berkeley Hill is a great place to figure that out. Um, and you can really craft your own experience. And I love talking about it. And then just in terms of regular topics, love talking about feminism, vegan cooking, um, dance, yoga, politics, um, anything. I mean, I really just like talking about anything. Those are couple things my mind goes to. Also love talking about my little daughter, Hadar. <laughs> I love talking about her too. <laughs> so um, when students like to talk about her, I'm down to do it and show pictures on my phone. But, you know, it's because she's a recent addition. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's get into Purim. Let's do it. What is Purim all about? <laughs> um, so Purim is a holiday that happens in the month of Adar. There's a lot of things to say about it, but first of all, um, the, the story that we're really celebrating and um, commemorating when we celebrate Purim is the story of Esther sticking her neck out and in partnership with Mordecai, depending on how you read the text, um, has uh, worked from the inside out and made sure that the Jewish people were not obliterated based on how she uh, influenced the king with her, with her power. In essence, we're celebrating the fact that we didn't get destroyed as a people. It's another example in our narrative of our lives and our community were at risk um, and we overcame and there was a miracle. What was supposed to happen didn't happen and it worked out in our favor. So we're celebrating um, that and it typically, um, the way that you typically celebrate, there's a few things that you do. Um, one is you give gifts to friends, um, which um, need to be at least two brachot, so mishloach manot, gifts of like small snacks and stuff. Um, and uh, you hear Megillah reading, so we don't forget about the story. So you do that Erev in the evening, and then during the day you're supposed to hear it twice. And then, and that's also typically a time when women gather to do like women's Megillah readings and stuff like that. Um, give gifts to the poor, so making sure that we're thinking about um, other people who are maybe less fortunate than we are. And then the fourth mitzvah and the fourth th thing that you should do is have a celebratory meal during the day. Um, so it's, and it's also the holiday in contrast to other holidays. It's not actually a Yom Tov. It's not actually a day where there's like um, halacha, Jewish law practices that like inhibit you. It's, it's not as inhibited. So mm -hmm. you don't not go to work or, you know, light candles before it's like a more open holiday. Um, and typically people dress up and do fun activities like drink and eat a lot and just let your hair down and have a good time because we're experiencing this idea that we find in the text called it's vinafochu like the hafuch the flipping of reality because that's exactly what happened in the story where the reality was the Jews were going to die and then Esther flipped that and Haman was actually the one who died um, who was the perpetrator and the crime of wanting to kill the Jews, trying to convince the king to do that. Um, and so we're celebrating that with those, with costumes and stuff like that. There's also concepts of hiddenness and revealing. So like we do costumes because we're like letting our true selves come out, but also like hiding who we are, maybe like depending on how you want to do your costumes. Um, and I think it's always fun when Purim becomes a place where adults are actually stepping into it. And I think it's the most meaningful and most effective when it's not just seen as a kid's holiday, but it's seen as like an opportunity for people to be silly and just reveal themselves in different ways than they normally would. I think it's important to situate Purim within the Jewish calendar and the month of Adar. Um, and so Adar um, is a really interesting month um, because we are... Uh, commanded to be joyous or be, be more joyful during this month 
than, than any other month. And this year in particular um, is a leap year in the Jewish calendar. So we get an extra, we had an extra month, an extra Adar, um, and sort of this extra time to increase in joy. That's sort of the, the charge is to increase in joy. Um, and Purim acts as sort of the culmination of that joy, which I find really interesting because the story of Purim itself is actually very dark and it's about, um, you know, destruction and the vulnerability of Jews living in um, foreign lands or, or having to um, to be asked to bow to, to foreign kings. And so, um, so it's really interesting to me that Purim is such a fun and joyous holiday. And even the telling of the story is mixed with funny voices and costumes and, and, and there's like some comedy within the story of destruction. Um, and I suppose it's because it ultimately ends not in destruction, but a flip of the script, which as Leah mentioned is, is like a big part of the holiday is like what, what's, uh, what's underneath things. What are the opposite, the other sides of things. So, so I find that like sort of dichotomy really interesting of like, um, we're acknowledging this really dark, uh, story and dark time, but in a really comedic way with levity. Um, and mm -hmm. I sort of wonder what that can teach us about our lives in the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. You've both said that this is one of your favorite holidays. Um, so I'd love to know why it's so significant to you out of all of the other Jewish holidays. I mean, I, I love the Jewish calendar as a whole. I love every concept and opportunity for personal growth and the reminders of what's really important in life in a very intense and saturated way based on whatever holiday it is. Um, I think there's something psychologically positive that comes out of observing the whole Jewish calendar every year. Um, there are so many holidays where we need to do deep personal work that is hard um, and that is very specific. Um, and so, you know, there, there's an opportunity here to, um, to still be in community and have a really serious holiday, but to do it in a way that's fun and really creative. And as Lauren was saying, like the joyful part of it is really exciting. Um, and I also, I feel like I've um, kind of recommitted to Purim since moving here because Purim in Berkeley, just like Sukkot in Berkeley is actually a really special holiday because of the backdrop and where in which we live. Um, so people at our, Lauren and I go to the same synagogue, um, which is Congregation Beth Israel. It's a liberal, modern, orthodox shul um, close in Berkeley. And people take it really seriously. Like their costume game and their Mishloach Manot game is like on point. Um, and so it's like kind of reactivated something exciting in me, which is like this holiday is not just for children. It's not just, it's for adults. Um, also it's for everyone. Um, and I just think that the idea of, you know, we so often in life are trying to be planful and we like consistency and we like predictability as human beings, this holiday is saying like, things are not always how they look on the surface mm. and you don't always need to like enjoy life or, um, or have a life that is meaningful. That is also predictable. Sometimes the meaning is in the hafuch, it's in the flip and like being able to stay with that and deal with the uncertainty, um, is a really important lesson to learn. Um, and so I think doing all of that with, with levity is the perfect word for it is it's just like a great, reminder and a great lesson. Um, and I also think that like 
you know, the deep work of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that happens. Sometimes the deep work is actually just letting it go and laughing and drinking maybe and letting your hair down and things come to you because you're not, you're letting go and not thinking about it. So the fact that it's actually on the opposite side of the calendar, that Yom Kippur and Purim are literally on the opposite sides of the calendar from each other, I think says something like they're talking to each other in a way where it's like they're the inverse of each other. Yeah. Um, so and the tradition values both of those things in the arc of the calendar that you need both in the, in the course of the year. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I also like, like it because women are highlighted in a different way. We actually have a central, two central characters, but Esther really carries the book, obviously, that we get to, you know, it's one of our holidays. Root is also an important character during Shavuot, but it's one of our holidays where, like, women have a central um, voice in the actual text that supports this holiday, and that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. I guess growing up, um, Purim was about putting on a costume and there would be a carnival at our local JCC. Um, and it was really fun. There'd be candy. And as a kid, I remember being really excited about it. Um, and then I sort of had this transition, um, in adulthood. It was actually when I was studying at Pardes in Jerusalem with Leia, which is why it's exciting to me to do this, uh, (laughs) podcast with you, um, where I actually started to learn more about the holiday and study more. And, and I learned about the mitzvot and I learned about, um, the story in this, like, in this very deep way. And I feel like it has something to offer. We might think of Purim as like a kid's holiday, but I really think that it offers all these themes for us as adults. And, each year that it comes around, I'm sort of thinking about something different. One sort of piece that that I kind of keep with me all the time is in the story when Mordecai is asking Esther to essentially save the Jewish people. Um, and he says, who knows if this is the moment that you rose to this position, that this is the moment that is the reason why you mm-hmm. rose to this position. And I think about that all the time in my own life of like, you know, what what does it mean to sort of think about why we're here and and what our what our voice and our actions are meant to do and when um and so that's something that I kind of carry with me um I think there's so many themes that are relevant and it's like any given year one will stand out more um and I was looking and as I was looking at over this year I was just thinking about um just so we have Esther in the palace which is one of the ultimate um, forms of, um, her being part of society. Like she is part of the power structure. Um, and she still hides that she's Jewish. And I sort of like, I, when I picture it, I picture like nowadays, like wearing a Jewish star, but like sometimes strategically putting it in your shirt and sometimes not depending where you're at. Um, and that ultimately, you know, the, the whole reason that there was a decree to kill the Jews was because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. Um, And the reason is because the Jewish people bow down to God, um, not to other men. And um, sort of the the fallout of this is that Haman then makes this decree that the the Jewish people should die. And um, it's just interesting to me as I think about um, this holiday in relation to God, in relation to our responsibility to others and the world and the places in which we find ourselves. Um, what did it mean that Mordecai probably knew what he was 
what, what the repercussions would be, but, but he said to himself, this is what it means to be Jewish, is to not bow down um, in this instance, and sort of the bravery and the courage that that took. Um, and I think to myself, what are the things that I'm willing to, to do or not do um, to sort of say that, that this is my identity, I'm Jewish. And um, I think that it, it's a really interesting question, maybe particularly in this year and at this time is like, you know, what does it mean to, to always have the Star David necklace out on my shirt? Um, and even when it's vulnerable um, and even when it's um, uncomfortable is that, um, that there's this element of standing up for, for oneself. And, and something else that is striking is that um, when Mordecai talks to Esther about saving the Jewish people, she, she is, is not sure. And something that he says to her is, you can choose to do this or you cannot choose to do this, but you, you won't escape the fate of what happens to the Jewish people. So in other words, you're part of this group. Your lot is cast in with the Jewish people and whether you stand up or not is not going to affect your future in this. You're, you're with us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I often think about that as well, um, is like, what does it mean to be part of a community and a people? Um, what does that mean to, to feel implicated by the actions of others? And when's the right time to bow and when's the right time to stand? And um, brings up a lot of questions for me. So, Leia, in, yes. in your words, you've been jamming on a specific aspect of the Purim story, um, which is these two really interesting, really um, complex female characters, Esther and Vashti. Um, so, would you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been thinking about them? Yeah, totally. Um, so, every time I, um, I teach text or relearn a story or, or do it again, hear it again during the holidays. I feel like depending on where I'm at in my life or what I'm thinking about, those themes become even more alive. So um, I feel that we are as a society right now in a very real and new place about what it means to challenge the status quo of what's been okay before um, and what is now no longer okay because we are tired of the immoral implications of those structures being okay. Um, and that's obviously with like the Me Too movement and all of the sexual harassment um, issues and assaults that we're seeing, which like, you know, as a woman moving in the world, we need to, we women sh and girls should be able to feel safe in the world. And that should be a priority that, that feels like a higher priority now than it was before that people are actually being held accountable um, for actions. Um, and so two of the things that I see in the, in the story, um, is that we have two female archetypes who in two different ways are working with their power within a system that's not in their favor. Um, and so in the first chapter, we see Vashti, um, at her own party. Um, so the first chapter, there's a huge feast happening and there's a huge banquet that the king has thrown for the whole kingdom. And it lasts for seven days. And on the seventh day, um, the king, King Ashverosh, asked Vashti to come wearing the royal diadem. It's not clear from the commentators whether or not it's only the royal diadem. Like, did he ask her to come naked? Did he ask her to wear royal clothing? Um, what was she exactly offended by? Was the ask at all just offensive? 
Um, either way, we assume that he's like pretty drunk by this point since it's been seven days. Um, and she outright refuses. We don't actually hear her voice in the story in contrast to Esther, but the narrator tells us that she refuses to come. This greatly incenses the king and he becomes very angry. And so the punishment is that she's cast out. Some people think that it means she was killed. Some people think she just lost her status as queen and was um, karate, like cut off from the community. Um, but then the, what happens is his uh, the king's ministers, then it's not enough that Vashti is banished. Then they need to create a, an edict for the whole community that women need to listen to their husbands. So there's this systematic response that actually has nothing to do with the community, but Vashti created a poor example in their eyes for how to communicate with your partner, with your husband, <laughs> better language for this time period, um, and she threatens his authority just by refusing. Now, he's asking her to like use her body in a certain way, he has a certain level of power, and one way that we can respond to that kind of authority is to outright say no, whatever the consequences, I don't care, this is just wrong, and I'm gonna step up and say no. Christine Bosley Ford to me is a modern day Vashti. She decided that whatever the consequences were gonna be, her life might be affected, but the right thing to do and the moral thing to do and the opportunity for justice for her in that situation was to stand up and say no. And this is like, I mean, it's a little different because there was a, an actual assault versus in Vashti. Um, but that's one example of how to, how to work within the system is to just push against it and refuse. Esther kind of, you know, she ends up in the palace, the recommendation of her uncle um, she passes the beauty contest, and then she is put in a position where Mordechai hears that Haman is out to get the Jewish people and wants to kill the Jewish people, and the king is unaware of Esther's identity. At the time when Mordechai goes to Esther and asks her to go do this thing, which is stand up for the Jewish people, her immediate response is, I can't just go to the king, there's a protocol, I have to, I have to be summoned by him or I could die. To which Mordechai responds, Obviously, they're communicating through a messenger. Um, that's fine. You cannot do this. Lauren was talking about this earlier. Um, but you, your people might perish and you might perish. And who knows? Maybe the whole reason why you're in the palace is to do this thing. So then she asks the community to fast for her for three days to give her koach, give her the strength to go do this thing. Um, and she comes up with a strategy. And what happens next is one of my favorite moments in this book because Esther gets dressed in her royal garments, and she goes into the courtyard. And the way I always imagine it, based on how it's written in the text, is that she she appears before the king, but like far away. So he can see this outline in the distance, and then he holds up his scepter to her to say that she can come, and she approaches him. When he asks her what she's there for, he says to her, even if your request is half the kingdom, it will be given to you. So he's in a good mood. He's, he's feeling generous, but she doesn't actually ask for what she wants. She asks him to come to a banquet. She throws her own party. He asks again at the party, Esther, what is it that you want? If it is half the kingdom, it will be given to you. And she asks him to come to another party. So at the finally at the second party, she reveals what's been going on and asks for him to take him on out of the picture so the Jewish people will be saved and she's ultimately successful. But for a second, I want to go back to that first moment when Esther speaks because it's a really sensitive, beautiful moment in the text. Um, and in order to understand what, what exactly the significance is, we need to address 
one more thing, which is there's one character that's missing from this story that we often see in most of our stories in the Torah and even the Megillah that we read, and that's God. God is nowhere in this story except for one secret hidden place, which is in the theme of the holiday of hiddenness and revealing things. When Esther appears in the courtyard and the king asks her the first time, what is it that your request is? She says, Yavo HaMelech V'Haman Hayom. And in the first Hebrew letter of each word, in her words that she says, is yud Hey vav Hey, which is the word of God. So to me, the Torah that rings true and like shines from that moment that I love is that Esther was probably totally scared and shaking, but instead of being afraid, she gets the words out and there's God in her voice and there's like a divinity that she's, you know, pulling in to gather all the strength that she can to do this thing that she needs to do. And she, she responds to the responsibility. Um, but there is God, God is with her and God is in her voice and in her words. And how many of us have ever have felt like we needed to do something, we needed to say something and our voice shook, but we did it anyways. Um, and so, and then also the fact that she asks him to come to a feast and then asks him to come to a second feast shows that she's being extremely strategic and cunning. And she's not just pushing against the system. She is working within the system to get what she needs. Um, so that's an example of like two very different ways of going about standing up for yourself and being powerful and using all the resources we have as women and that they had as women um, to do what's ultimately morally right for society and for ourselves. And that's what I'm jamming on. Yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So as we approach Purim this next week, um, what are some ways that we can bring the spirit of Purim into our lives? What are some ways, things we can think about, things we can do to celebrate? Um, what are some things we can do? I love the idea, and this, <laughs> this was introduced to me at Pardes, um, in kind of the whole month of Adar, is just trying to see things just a little bit differently and a little bit more joyfully. And it can be, it can be as like simple as like painting your nails a fun color or, um, like wearing your hair in a different way or, um, like trying on, you know, an, an idea or something that you've never done um, because it's different and new and the opposite of what you might normally do. Um, I know that my friends and I are getting ready for Purim and are very excited and jazzed about it. And like, um, and I guess we're thinking about like, what's the totality of the experience? What do we want to be eating and, and dressed as and experiencing and um, what are the ways that we can alter our reality for that um, period of time to truly like rejoice in in the uh, in the joyous day? Um, I think we can do learning. I think that there's a lot we can see in the Megillah that that brings up interesting conversations. Um, another thing I'm thinking about this year is masks and like costumes and like what are the masks and costumes that we wear throughout the rest of the year that are meant to be taken off on Purim? Um, I think, like, just, first of all, just getting serious about your costume game. Like, just, <laughs> it's fun to really get into it. Um, Daryl and I are very excited about our costume game this year, because we uh, got into it even more than other years. But um, also, like, um, I have always found it really meaningful. The, so the mitzvah of... Um, Mishloach uh, Manot, so the the sending of gifts um, is how it translates. But 
it's really, I have always, it's a fun thing to do, but I've also actually always found it really meaningful. Um, first of all, because um, just get, coming up with a list of people that you're going to send it to or give it to or drop it off on their porch, I think it makes me remind myself of like the gratitude I feel to be in community. Um, just the fact that we have, you know, a long list of people that we want to give these small gifts to feels really good. And then it's really nice to like come home from a Purim Suda, a Purim feast. And like, there's, you know, Mishloch Manot on your porch from people and just the opening it and being like, oh, this is so nice. It's so creative what this person thought of. Um, I think it really makes you feel like you're in community. And then also like the, one of the reasons why I feel like the rabbis included the mitzvah of Matanot Le'ev Yonim is the gifts to the poor is that like we we shouldn't be so um filled with gratitude that we're not thinking about other people we should actually you know make make the effort to not just give gifts to our friends because that's easy and they don't actually really need that but to also give sadaka and make sure that we're thinking about people who don't have as much um and for me that's like that act and those two acts juxtapose is kind of how i tend to live my life and think about the world, which is in moments of gratitude, being able to think about other people who maybe don't have the same thing or as much, and also like not taking that thing for granted. So don't feel so grateful that you've come to a place of being entitled, but allow that gratitude to spur generosity in other areas of the world that might need it. Um, and so I think like, you know, getting outside of yourself, both like getting inside yourself by being like, what is my costume and how am I going to have fun? And what am I doing? And what kind of snacks I'm with my friends, but also like getting outside of yourself and recognizing that other people in the world need things. And it's our responsibility to do that. Um, and it just so happened, like, who knows, maybe you're here for that reason to give to other people. You, you aren't, we aren't like gifted with our place in the world for no reason. I, I don't believe. Um, and also when we have those opportunities to be in that place in the world, we have to like open it up to be able to give to other people and not just think about ourselves. Um, and then like, I would say find a great fun Megillah reading that you're able to enjoy and hear the story and get into it. Um, and, uh, and being able to like bring a little bit of theater and drama to your life on that day and just like have fun. And as much as you can clear your schedule to just, do the festivities and activities of Purim. I think it's important to do that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into um, how is Hillel celebrating Purim this year? What are our festivities that we're going to do this year? We have a lot of exciting uh, Purim activities this year. Um, so for the first time in years, at least since I've been here, we are doing a Megillah reading. Uh, and we're going to do the whole Megillah. Uh, it's a mixture of students and staff uh, reading the Megillah uh, uh, in a mixture of Hebrew and in English. Um, and I'm really excited for it. I am reading half of a chapter for the first time. Um, so that feels exciting to me. So we're having our weekly barbecue be a huge Purim bash. We're doing Purim barbecue um, in the spirit of Vinafohu, of switching things over. We're doing breakfast for dinner. Um, so our food will be uh, breakfast. Um, we are having it outside uh, to enjoy the new courtyard. We are going to have um, lots of food, lots of, um, we're going to have popcorn, cotton candy. Um, we're having an opportunity to pie the staff members 
um, which I think will hopefully be fun. <laughs> and it's an opportunity for us not to take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> yes, it's an opportunity for, for us to laugh as well. Um, and uh, there will also be a clothing swap, um, which fits into the theme of Purim uh, in two ways, which is that, you know, you have the opportunity to, to try on a different persona, to take something new. Um, and also all the clothes that aren't swapped are going to be donated, um, to a local shelter. Um, so, um, fitting in with the theme of Matanot Le'Ivionim. Following the barbecue, uh, is the McGillow reading. It's going to be super fun you don't want to miss it. Costumes, costumes are very much encouraged. The staff will be wearing costumes. We'll have some fun things for you to put on there. Um, but we encourage you to really get in the spirit of turning things upside down and um, being a little more um, childlike and, and fun. On Thursday, uh, challah for hunger, instead of their usual challah braiding, uh, will be making hamantashen, which we actually didn't mention yet, which is so interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hamantashen are a triangle-shaped cookie uh, that's popular on Purim. Um, do you like Hamantashen? Do I like it? Yeah. 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 They're not my favorite. Are you a, yeah, okay. are you a chocolate or are you a... Yeah. I'm a fruit-free. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I like Hamantashen. I like them to be chocolate. Not sure how we got into poppy seeds, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the jellies. The jellies can be good, yeah. Um, but anyway, they're po- very popular on, on Purim, um, so we are going to be making hamantashen at Challah for Hunger um, on Thursday evening. And we also encourage you uh, during the day on Thursday to check out some of the um, Megillah readings that are happening around the community. As Leia said, Berkeley's an amazing area to celebrate Purim. There's a lot of different things going on, um, and you can ask each of us um, for thoughts on where to go. Well, thank you both so much for chatting with me about Purim. I hope you both have lovely, joyful Purims. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Gabby. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Hello Hillel. Please subscribe so that you always know when we have a new episode. Our carnival-style Purim barbecue and clothing drive is on Wednesday at 6, and there will be a student-led Megillah reading at 6.45. And Hall for Hunger is baking Humantashen on Thursday at 6.30. On Friday, Soul Hours from 6 to 7 and Shabbat dinner starts at 7. Please check out Hillel's website, berkeleyhillel.org, to learn more about all of our amazing programming and events. Have, Have a great, great week, week and we'll see you at Hillel! Hillel.